In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 170th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. This week in episode 170, we're going to entitle this, The Falcons Set to Face Uncle Rico. That's uh, a tribute to the old Napoleon Dynamite movie where Uncle Rico was a quarterback and he could uh, throw that ball way over the mountaintops. And uh, ESPN did a little skit with Jacksonville quarterback Gardner Minshew and Uncle Rico about throwing that ball over the stadium down there as Minshew mania swept the NFL earlier this season. Uh, he had to start winning the first game of the season after Nick Foles broke his clavicle, got off to a great start, then tailed off a little bit and uh Nick Foles came back, started three games, and then got benched, and then went back to Gardner Minshew, who's 5-5 five and five, uh, as a rookie quarterback, six-round pick out of Washington State, and one of the interesting characters of this football season. Minshew's from Brandon, Mississippi, started his uh, college in uh, junior college, before going to Eastern Carolina, to East Carolina, there's no such place as Eastern Carolina, uh, over there on the coast in North Carolina. I want to know if he was there around the same time Kirk Benkirk was there, the Falcons' uh, backup quarterback on uh, injured reserve. We'll try to find him in the locker room today. Then he ends up out at uh, Washington State. Uh, don't have this documented, but remember hearing it along the way that, you know, he was all set to go to Alabama and just kind of be a grad transfer and chill out and uh, back up Hurts uh, and Tua. But then uh, Washington State's Mickey Leach came in and said, hey, come on out here. And uh, the rest is history. He goes on to win the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. And then last year he was uh, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. Slinging that ball around out west under uh, uh, Coach Leach. So, uh, you know, they, they had a big win last week against Oakland. Uh, they were down 16-3 at half time, looking dead in the water. He comes back, runs around, throws it around a little bit, and uh, throws two touchdown passes to Chris Conley to pull out the victory in what was likely the last game at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Defeated the Raiders last week to stop their five-game losing streak. So both teams are 5-9 and nine heading into Atlanta. Let's look at Minshew's numbers. He's completed 245 of 400 attempts for 2,795 yards. Uh, he's hitting on 61.3% of his passes. 
has 17 touchdowns to five interceptions in a 91.2 passer rating. Trying to figure out what Foles did so bad, we'll ask uh, Coach Marone about it. We weren't watching the Jags that closely during this stretch, but he was uh, he completed 65.8%. I just think he might not have been healthy. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, you know, maybe they we'll find out what the deal is there. They paid him a lot of money, so I don't know how that's going to work out. We'll double back to look at the Foles situation here near the end. Second item here today is the announcers. Our play-by-play person is going to be Joe Davis with Brady Quinn, who's uh, doing a good job on SiriusXM uh, as the color analyst. He uh, actually helped us at the Combine uh, evaluating the quarterbacks for the Pro Football Writers of America. Sideline reporter is Jenny Taff. This we haven't had this crew this year, so um, the TV people watching, you'll hear a new crew for the first time this season. Now, the tail of the tape, the numbers, uh, we'll look at those and break them down here. We got um, the Falcons and the Jaguars. Uh, while the Falcons, uh, you know, the top unit for them is, of course, the pass offense which is still holding at fourth in the league. That's the um, the total offense is 11th in the league and uh, points 15th in the league. So we're looking there for or you, are you in the top half? So they're in the top half of everything there, uh, and uh, but they're in the bottom half in the run, def- run offense. 81.4 yards a game, 30th in the league. Um, they got to run it to set up the pass, and that's all they're doing with the run game. But let's see what the matchup is against the Jacksonville defense. You know, they have got some, uh, they got a strong front over there, uh, traditionally, but they're nicked up a little bit. Now, defensively, they are not in the top 16 in anything except for their passing. Uh, defense, which is 14th, 232.3. Their uh, run defense is 140. They give up 140.1 yards a game, 29, 29th in the league. Now, the Falcons couldn't run the ball last week against the 22nd ranked run defense. So that doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't say anything that they could uh, run it against the 29th. Should be a little bit easier, but, you know, we, we haven't seen the Russian attack uh, but three times this year. So don't count on that. Now, offensively, Jacksonville is uh, in the top half of the league in a rushing yard. That's all Leonard Fournette right there. And Minshew himself is, uh, runs about – uh, he's averaging 5.5 a carry at 55 carries, so um, 10 games. So he's going to run it about five times uh, a game. But everything else is subpar, 27th in scoring, 20th in total offense uh, for the uh, for Jacksonville. The run game is 15th in the league. That's Leonard Fournette. And the pass game is 14 yards at uh, 14th um, at 235 yards, 235.8 yards. 
Time of possession. Both teams are trying to play keep away, so maybe we'll get a quick game here. Uh, the Falcons are 12th or 14th, 30 minutes and 23 seconds, and the Jags are 12th at 30 and 30. So we're going to see some running. That's a good thing. We'll get this thing over with. Uh, maybe it'll be quicker. We'll see. Now, uh, Falcons defense against the Jags. The Falcons defense uh, is in the top 16 and, and stopping the run, but that's kind of a uh, misnomer because uh, they're giving up the passing yards. So it's like, okay, we're not, we don't have to stop the run because they can get it throwing. But they're 20th in uh, total pass total yards with 362.6. And then 23rd in passing yards, 253.7, and then points 26.1. But we duly noted the, the point differentials are drastically changed from the first half of the season. Uh, first eight games, 31.2. And then uh, after through six here in the second half, they're only giving up 19.2, which would definitely put them in the top uh Top 16 there if the, the second half defense continues to show up. So that's our breakdown here. Um, looks like the Falcons does. Running the ball is going to be key both both ways. You got the 30th run offense going against the 29th run defense. So uh, that should be a draw there. And then uh, with the Jacksonvilles, with Leonard Fournette, the Jaguars, you got the 15th ranked running Offense going against the uh, 16th rank rush defense. So those those are the key. Whoever runs the ball is going to win the game. That's uh we're going to go with that for now. Um, just don't need uh Minshew's magic to come out uh, and do some crazy stuff. Uh, he did last week against uh, Oakland. Now turnover differential. That's been an issue. I need to do a first half, uh, second half season breakdown on that. Coach Quinn says the turnover differential has been the key uh, the second half, but I, I, don't, I don't feel that, but I need to look up the numbers on that. Uh, minus six, tie for 22nd, and uh, Jacksonville's minus three, 20th. So run, whoever could run the ball and maybe get some turnovers is going to win the game. This will be the fourth item here, our series record. We got like a bonus, uh, Doug Marone, so we'll go six items today um, with our bonus Doug Marone uh, item. Series is uh, seventh. This is the seventh game between the two teams. The series is tied 3-3. Falcons won the last meeting 23-17 on December 20, 2015. Julio Jones had a big game. Uh, there, 119, I think nine for over 110. Devontae Freeman went had 32 touches in that game, but over 101 total yards. Uh, so you know, might see something similar to that that formula here. Now, Nick Foles. I mean, uh, last we saw him, he was host, hoisting the Super Bowl trophy. He was a winning quarterback. Uh, against the Falcons in that the Falcons last playoff game where they were stalled on the two yard line uh didn't um didn't get it that that was an outside cut they ran an inside cut with uh Julio to win at Arizona last week but uh, uh you know they 
the, the Jaguars thought they needed a quarterback. They were right there at the end AFC Championship game in 2017. Cornerback uh, goes nuts, talks about one of the Brinks truck backed up, act the fool to get traded out of town. Uh, that happened. They signed, they had signed Foles, but then he got hurt in the opener, broke his clavicle, and uh, they had paid him. Whoa, this was a great deal for him. He got a Kirk Cousins type deal, four years for eighty-eight million, with um, you know fifty point one million of it guaranteed. So uh, he broke his clavicle in the season opener, came back, started three games, and then was benched after uh, at Tampa Bay, and they went back to the six-round pick out of Washington State. So a lot of those folks, um, you know, some of our friends down there, uh, Dave Caldwell's GM, out of John Carroll in Cleveland, um, you know, they got to answer to the, they're going to have to answer to the boss about this one, um, Shahid Khan, the owner down there. So Minshew, the six-round pick, is in there while the $88 million guy's on the bench. Uh, maybe he's just hurt, but they said it was performance-based, so... Uh, they're gonna. They're in the same situation as the Falcons had a, a promising season. Thought they were going somewhere, and uh, they're five and nine, getting ready for the draft. And the owners are are not very happy. So uh, they're trying to close down the stretch and save jobs. Same type of situation. So he got hot last week, um, seventeen and twenty nine for two hundred one. But uh, over the last final three possessions, he hit 14 and 18 for 142 and two touchdowns uh, to, to Chris Conley, the former chief, former Georgia Bulldog, who uh, signed with the Jags in free agency, in part because uh, Foles was going there. So um, the Falcons are more concerned about when he gets out of the pocket. They said he can rip it and that he can run. Definitely has the gunslinger mentality, according to Coach Dan Quinn. Now, uh, Doug Marone, he, you know, first popped on the radar screen in Buffalo as a head guy. He was up at Syracuse, but, you know, most of these guys crossed paths at some point here. And uh, Coach Doug was a administrator, director of football operations at Georgia Tech. Back in 1995, under Coach George O'Leary, uh, tight ends coach in '96 at Georgia Tech, and then the offensive line coach in 1997 and 1999. Uh, and one strange item, he goes over to Georgia in 2000 and uh, is the offensive line coach for the Bulldogs in Jim Donnan's last year. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here at the Bowtie Chronicles. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 170th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1 p.m. Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the regular season home finale. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Get that shopping done, y'all. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. 
Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.